Luke chapter 9, I'll be reading verses 28 to 31. Luke 9, 28 to 31. Those of us who have Bibles, are we there? Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. They spoke about his decease, his death, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. You can have your seats, please. The direct crucifixion narratives were read for you in the scripture readings. And so don't think it unusual that the text for our current discourse is not exactly one of the crucifixion, crucifixion narratives as we think of them. Here at Livingstones over the past few weeks, we were in a series of studies on self-denial. And as our core text, we were using the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples that's recorded earlier in this chapter 9 of the gospel recorded by Luke. It's the next discourse with them that forms the basic text for us this evening. Referred to as the transfiguration, what we just read was that Jesus went up on the mountain to pray as was his habit. And as has become his regular practice, he took some of the disciples with him, Peter, John, and James. These three had been with him on a number of other significant occasions where miraculous things happened. On this occasion, however, they observed a different kind of miracle. It wasn't the miracle of healing. It wasn't the astounding feeding of the 5,000. This instead was a conference of the ages. This was a discussion in the realm of the spirit that would have impact on the natural and become the focal point of our history and the focal point of the future. On this mountainside, Jesus changed in appearance before them. Transfigured, we call it. Visibly before them, the realm of the spirit touched the physical realm. And in this realm of the Spirit before the eyes of these disciples, Jesus, who at the time was living physically on the earth, had a conversation 
with Moses and Elijah. He had a conversation with Moses, the great lawgiver, and a conversation with Elijah, the great prophet, both of whom by now we know are only in the realm of the spirit. And at the time they were having this conversation with Jesus, he was in the physical realm. So now we have this remarkable event. The spirit realm invading the physical realm, and we get an eyewitness of the account of the discussions that Moses and Elijah had with the contemporary Jesus. What could these three gentlemen talk about on the mountain when the two realms touch each other in this visible way? If we use our imagination, what could Moses and Elijah want to talk to Jesus about? I have been thinking about this question for a while. And I believe there are a number of things that they could have talked about. They could have talked about the drama of his birth that within our day spawned a global commercial phenomenon called Christmas. They could have talked about that. That would have been a big conversation. They could have talked about all of the miracles that Jesus was doing. They could have talked about how impressed people were with him. They could even talk about the confusion that he was causing for religious leaders, the Jews, and that he was causing for the political leaders, the Romans. Moses could have had a conversation about the things that he did. He could have talked about the ten plagues that he brought upon Pharaoh. They could have had a long conversation about the ten plagues. Moses could have led a discussion about the parting of the Red Sea. He could have been telling Jesus about this drama with Pharaoh's army behind him and the water before them and what God did. That would form a great conversation. Elijah, not wanting to be left out, could have talked about his encounter with the prophets of Baal. He could have recounted the great story and how he embarrassed Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. They had all of these possible conversations. But at this moment in time, when the invisible met the visible, when the spiritual met the natural, when Moses and Elijah from ages past met with the contemporary Jesus, the only thing that they could find to talk was that he was going to die. You see, someone had to die. All of history is tied up in this important event of Jesus' death. And so when this great thing happened, all they could think about is that Jesus had to die. Because someone had to die. And I could race to the end to tell you that some of you here tonight have to die. Don't get too nervous. It's difficult 
to look at people in the eye in Guyana these days and tell them that they have to die because so many things that are happening around us. <laughs> Most women in Guyana must be terrified now if a man looks at them in the face and say, you have to die. It must be a terrifying thing. But the truth is that someone has to die. Let's see if we can put this in a context. When Jesus made his public entry at the time that John the Baptist was popular, the first thing that was said about him by John the Baptist spoke to the fact that he was destined to die a specific and purposeful death. John declared as recorded in John chapter 1 and verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In that context and background, the only thing that John could mean is that he was going to be butchered, slaughtered for the sin of people because that's what you did to the Lamb. We in our day have a nice 3D version of Bible stories that take away the brutal edge of some of these things. Take away the brutal edge of a sacrifice. This sacrifice wasn't a nice thing. This was, they used to be butchered, slaughtered. And when John said that behold the Lamb of God, he was saying, Jesus would die. But not just die, he would be slaughtered for all the people. As we continue to find the context, you see, the problem was that the blood of animals were not enough to pay for the price of sin. Someone had to die. Hebrews 10, 4 says to us, For it is not possible that the blood of goats and bulls could take away sins. So someone had to die. All through scripture, we encounter this matter of the death of Jesus. The idea of a penalty for sin being a sacrificial death was introduced the moment that God confronted man in his sin. Genesis 3.15 tells us that the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. And when God reacted to man's attempt to cover their exposed cells with leaves, he made clothes for them from animal skins. The animals had to have their blood shed and they had to die. The idea of death for sin. Genesis 3 and 21. The other great story that points to this is just before the Exodus, there was Passover. And as you know, Jesus died on Passover. The Passover lamb had to be killed and its blood dabbed on the doors so that the angel of death would spare those. Who occupied the dwelling where the shed blood was visible. That all of this is pretty easy for us to understand. But there's a deep theology behind all of this. And these days we don't always like to get into deep theology. If we could just sing a few songs and get you know, what's on the surface and be allowed to go, all will be well. But I don't think we're allowed to get away that easy. There's a deep theology. In the epistle to the Romans, Paul writing in Romans chapter 6 from verses 23 to 26 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, the Jesus who was slaughtered and butchered for our sins. Continuing in the epistle of the Hebrews, Hebrews 7, 26 and 28 says this, talking about Jesus now as the high priest who would perform the sacrifice. He says, for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests did, to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who have weaknesses by the word of oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Jesus' death is the thing that matters most for our life. For unless someone who was sinless, unless someone who was perfect died for our sin, we would now be dying in our sin that's why when Paul went to preach and the apostles right after Jesus started to preach the gospel they weren't so consumed with some of the fancy things that we preachers are consumed with these days just take a look at preaching TV for a while and you will notice that we preachers are consumed with all kinds of things. Just look at Christian internet for a while. And you would see that we preachers are consumed with all kinds of things. Just go to one of our special services, our conferences, and you will find that we preachers are consumed with all kinds of things. But well, here is what the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. The one thing that he was focused on was the fact that Jesus had died. And that is what mattered to the lives of people. And that is why, in this great cosmic conversation, when the realm of the spirit touched the physical realm, and the visible and observable phenomenon where Moses and Elijah appeared to speak with Jesus, who was at the time living bodily on the earth, that the only thing they could talk about was his death. Nothing of the plagues, nothing of the Red Sea, nothing of the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel, just his death. Because his death changed everything for life. 